Welcome to the Sound Mind Podcast, where I invite interesting guests from the music field and discuss with them topics such as musical and personal growth, pursuing excellence and self-talk, body and mind maintenance, practice and work routines, music business and more. I'm your host, Mikhail Krustel, and welcome to the Sound Mind Podcast. Hello, dear listeners and viewers. Another episode of the Sound Mind podcast is here. On today's episode, my guest is Samo Shalamon. He is, first of all, an incredible person with whom I shared wonderful conversations in the past, and he always gave me a feeling that if you put your mind to something, you can achieve anything you want. He's a wonderful guitar player and a composer. He's playing with incredible musicians from all over the world. Um, he was also a huge inspiration for this podcast, the Soundline podcast. He has his own Dr. Jazz Talks, it's called. And now he will release his 403rd episode. That's insane. He's also a busy bee when it comes to released albums. He recorded 40 albums. Not only that, he also has his afternoon uh, music school. Uh, and he is also a full-time daddy. I had so many questions for him regarding exactly this. How do you manage your time so that you can still have a quality time with your family and still do cool things? Uh, he also shared his story that I've heard uh, already about John Schofield. When he was a teenager in the 90s, he made a fan page for him. Everybody that doesn't know who John Schofield is, he is a wonderful guitar player uh, from the States. And uh, he made his fan page and then his wife reached out to him if he could make... Uh, a, a professional web page for him and the rest is history he flew to the states spent some time with him but uh, i will not share everything more will be shared in the podcast and of course he will share some of his insights some of his struggles and yeah i'm sure that you will enjoy and i hope that you will have fun Hello, dear Samo, and uh, welcome to the Sound Mind podcast. Glad to be here, man. Yeah, thanks for uh, responding, and um, yeah, that that uh, you found time in your very busy, huh? very busy life. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, right off the bat, uh, I have to say that uh, yeah, why I really wanted to uh, invite you and to have a chat with you is because. Uh, I know you now for a couple of years and, and every time we had such meaningful conversations and I found really a lot of, of power from the conversations that we had. And what I noticed is that you, you're just such a, such a do person like you, when mm. I, whenever I was talking to you, I really got the feeling that you can really set your mind to something and just go for it and it 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 will happen and uh, so thank you for for these lessons uh and and the friendship so really oh, glad, glad, glad that you got something <laughs> um yeah so i 
um, how does it feel being the not the interviewer on the podcast, but the one that is because uh, you are also having your own podcast, Doctor Jazz Talks, which is now counting. If correct me if I'm wrong, four hundred and second episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh my god, <laughs> wow. it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's gotten out of hand a little bit. <laughs> no, but it's there's so many jazz musicians out there. You know, my list to who to talk to is still like it just goes on. I think. And it's uh, it's nice to listen. I mean, today I'm on the other side, but it's just nice to listen to. There are so many incredible composers and band leaders and musicians out there, and each one of them them has their own story, you know. And many of them are really underrated and unknown, and they they should be like you know widely known. But we know how it is. So yeah, it's, I, I love doing this. I mean, this is how you learn about the music as well, you know, especially jazz and improvised music. It's all about the the stories and the oral heritage and uh, things that uh, the audience usually doesn't know unless someone tells you, you know, a story how he played with, I don't know, Eric Dolphy or Charles Mingus. And then I'm like a small kid in a sandbox like oh. Man, you know, and I love listening to these these things besides being a musician myself. So it's, yeah. But now I'm on the other side. So yeah, it's, uh, you're the leader. So <laughs> you're the band leader. Yeah. And how how do you choose your guests? Like based on, on what? How do you, yeah. Uh, I mean, I usually go just through my record collection and I listen to an album. I'm like, oh shit, man. Uh, you know, Tom Christensen, and probably no one in Slovenia knows who this guy is, but, you know, he's an amazing player, and he's played with everyone, let's say, or, I don't know, uh, uh, you know, Lanny White, the drummer of Return to Forever, we were talking, you know, like, I was listening to the other day to Return to Forever, and I was like, shit, man, this is probably... And then I somehow got the contact of him, and uh, so it's, yeah, it's just, like, who I really like, and obviously I did first most of the musicians I played with from New York, from, you know, Mark Elias, Tim Byrne, Tom Rainey, Drew Grass, all these incredible guys. And and then, you know, I started to investigate guitar players and the guys they played with. And uh, then it's just, yeah, then just the list becomes wider and wider. And, uh, and it's also for me important not to talk only to big names. You know, I think everyone would love to talk to Brad Meldow or... Pat Mattini or but to be honest, I mean it it would be nice, but like I, I think we've read so much stuff about these guys that we kind of know everything almost already. And uh so it's nice to talk to these other musicians who are equally good, but maybe like I said, underrated or not so known. So mm. I because as I mentioned before, it's like four hundred second, four hundred third. It, will be now uh, releasing uh, your Dr. Jazz Talks podcast. And how do you, like, do you have the guests prepared in advance? Like how much? Because that means that you release like two per week, right? Per week, yeah. yeah. My God, like I, I think I cannot go. I do one every two weeks and it feels like, ooh, how, how can you? You know, get all the, especially to reach out to the person kind of on time. That means that you have already set it up 
like a month in advance or yeah 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 usually we have I, I mean i have interviews now planned already for beginning of march so because everyone is so busy all of these guys are on tours and recordings and uh sometimes we just say like okay shit we cannot do it now let's do it maybe in the summer because uh they're too busy so yeah i mean i, I try to plan things and uh uh, in advance and um, so that it's easier for all of us you know so, but yeah you're smarter two weeks is better maybe. <laughs> however i did notice that um if i uh, have less because in in the beginning i i used to have more time in between and maybe i had three already prepared and then I was releasing them. But this uh, consistency in sense that it's not so much time since the last one that you did, it's it's also kind of kind of nice, you know, uh, um, mm. and, and it has its charm. But yeah, I definitely have to, how should I say, uh, be better at, at planning ahead. I think that's the <laughs> that's the, the the game changer, especially wow, if you do you have a team? Or do you, or do you do everything uh, solo? Uh, I mean, we we go through the usual. You know, I love to talk to everyone about how they compose. If that's what you mean. You no, I I thought if you have and, if, uh, if you have a team around you about the the Doctor Jazz talks. Yeah, no, no, what team? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, it's me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, no. I do the paint, you know, the caricatures and the the paintings. I mean, the sketches and prepare kind of for the interview. And but it's fun, you know. It's like having a gig or something. Yeah. It's uh, and it's like you said, it's really nice. Uh, most of the people, almost all people that I talk to, are really nice and friendly, and uh, you know, mm. and it's so nice to listen to. Kind of like you know, we're all in the same game, in the same pond playing this music that we really love otherwise we would not do this stuff uh, you know it's as you know it's yeah it's basically you start on minus 20 or <laughs> so, but uh, you know it's it's such a joy usually when i finish an interview i'm i'm full of energy i'm like oh man that was so beautiful you know so it brings me a lot of uh, this uh, it's an other thing besides all the things i do in my life so it, it it's a nice 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 thing. Yeah, yeah. I suppose with all these creative uh, souls that you have conversations, yeah. you you can, you know, you uh, this energy starts to flow. I think in both directions, yeah. right? You you add, they add to you. Um, and how do you prepare for your uh, guests? Like, do you have also, yeah? What what do you do to prepare for their interview? Uh, uh, I mean. I, I listen to music every morning, you know, when I cook or uh, when I play with my daughter in the morning, we, we, we just listen to jazz. We don't listen to children's songs. So wow. a, a big sorry to my daughter. But <laughs> no, so I usually listen to the music of people that I'm going to interview next, you know, so it's, uh, I don't know if I'm talking to um, Jim Beard this week, you know, the famous piano player who played with really everyone. And uh, so I'm listening to his records now a lot these days. And um, while preparing, you, uh, I just kind of check, you know, I know so many things about all these players already. I've been reading so much encyclopedias, but 
usually with everyone i want to go like how how it is being a composer how they compose uh, being a band leader uh how they started i'm always interested in that moment uh you know what was the moment that they said like oh shit i want to play jazz or improvised music was there a record or a concert or and uh especially you know entering the scene uh, i'm really interested in that like who were the first connections how did they connect with musicians and um and then you you know usually with players um I like to ask them, you know, you know let's, let's say Jim Beard, I, I will ask him about playing with Wayne Shorter because most of these guys played with legends, you know, or if someone played with Stan Gatz or Charles Mingus or, uh, you know, the Giants, then I would ask them how it was, how they met, what did they learn, how were those guys as band leaders and uh, so kind of that, that's, that's how I prepare and where I go. So I'm it's like a free impro in the end you know yeah. Uh, yeah how old is your daughter now oh she's one, one, 30 months one year and one month so whoa so on your daughter's parties up until she will not be able i mean she isn't able to be her own dj at the parties there's <laughs> probably gonna be <laughs> charlie parker <laughs> on train yeah so let's, let's see <laughs> wow so also her friends will accidentally be at jazz educated oh my god yeah <laughs> i don't know they're gonna be scatting her happy birthday song <laughs> yeah i mean it's i think children are so open to you know to anything and it's just music in the end she starts to dance so it's uh i, I don't see the reason why uh yeah. why we would have to listen to some i don't know yeah. Okay, 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 beep, beep, beep. Exactly. you know it's yeah. nice it's okay but it's music in the end she's playing you know she's not exactly. it's just the background so if we listen to coltrane i mean that's a good spirit so yeah i hope i think i mean <laughs> yeah i agree and you said it you know um she is a kid she can uh receive it but i think that <laughs> I was just thinking about it last time that I believe that actually everybody is able to receive anything, right? Like people will listen what you put on the radio. It just happens that there's plenty of crappy music yeah. there. I mean, you know, I agree. it's yeah. just unfortunate that there is radio stations that roll only that, you know, it would be nice to have some hardcore or a little bit off. I mean, there are some, uh, radio uh, state or at least radio shows. I remember there's yeah. also in Slovenia this radio student or radio student mm -hmm. that do some of their own little way, you know. Yeah, yeah. kind of nice and cool. But yeah, I, I was just thinking about it. What do you have? Maybe any thoughts on it as well? I mean, that's a problem in music in general. I think there's so much. You know, people receive what they see. In a sense, so if magazine says like this is the best guy and this is, then people will check him out because they see his name, right? And then he will get concerts and he will be heard. So, but I think people are open to anything. You know, sometimes when we play concerts with my own groups, they can get quite rough in a sense of uh, improvised stuff. But 
you know, then we play a really beautiful ballad or something like a G major, E minor thing for five minutes because I like that too. And, and they love that as well. And then you go into free improv and they will love that as well because they're just, you know, it depends how you present everything. And, uh, but yeah, if, if that's a general problem of the media nowadays, you know, I, 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 I teach a lot and, uh, you know, I teach everything from jazz to improvisation to rock and to heavy metal to Meshuga, whatever. And, uh, you know, I've been teaching this week some students Hotel California by the Eagles. And it's, it's six minutes, 28 seconds long. And the solo is like almost three minutes long. And it was a world hit even now. It's alive. And nowadays hits are not even two minutes, 50 seconds long. They don't even have a solo. Not, you know, so it's... I think the entire universe changed the last, especially 10, 15 years, I guess, uh, 20 years. And, and it's just going down the quality. I mean, the quality of what is being presented to the world, I'll put it like that, to, to the wide audience. So. Yeah, because I have the same issue every time I send like a piece uh, to a radio station. They're like, ooh. <laughs> Might be too long. What do we do? And then I'm okay. Maybe we cut out the drum solo in the end. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> so <it's, laughs> that—that's what the commercial stations do. You know, that's they just. I, I heard that the other day, like in the radio. Another brick in the wall. Pink Floyd, right? Yeah. It's not so long. It's like three minutes, fifty seconds. Yeah. And there's a guitar solo in the end, one minute. And it's a fade out. <laughs> it was just cut. I was like in in the cars by accident. Like, oh, now the guitar solo comes. And just the announcer comes on. I was like, what the? You cannot do that. It's like, you know, cutting uh, Mona Lisa's eyes away or something yeah. like that. Just, yeah. So that's that's crazy, you know. It's yeah, But yeah. yeah, that's where we are. <laughs> that's how you get, that's the only way to get some airtime, I guess. Yeah. You know? Terrible. So, Terrible. Um, so you mentioned, maybe for the people... Uh, so I introduced you as a podcaster with your 402nd show, but you also made like 22, you recorded like 22 uh, albums. A, a bit more, a bit more, but yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We're like around 40 now also, so I'm not counting anymore actually. So. And like, but yeah. Plus, I mean, it came through, you have a kid, plus you teach from one to seven every day. Like, tell me, man, how how does your... <laughs> normal day look like like what do you do to maintain this spirit and energy like what uh, lots of coke in the morning you know and <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know it's <laughs> like <laughs> no but uh i think organization that's uh just and the will if you want to do things like you said you know i, I think you can it just you know i i, I I love talking to, I, I like having mini, meaningful conversations with people, but I don't, I hate going to a coffee with someone in town and sitting there for one hour, just like, yeah, oh, well, mm. you know, it's, I, I don't know. It's a waste of time for me. Like, uh, it, it's too short the time here for, for such things. And I just love to spend my time in a quality way, so, whatever that means. So, but that means a lot of organization. Yeah. If, if you want to. Spend time with your wife and with your daughter and practice and compose and do an interview and teach and cook. Yeah, then, yeah, it's a little bit. Right. But, yeah. 
It's, do you? I mean, it's a daily routine, so kind of. Yeah. Do you measure? I mean, do you des designate like a specific amount of time with your wife and with your daughter, or or is that kind of? Do you leave something open, or do you? Have oh, sure. Yeah, sure. No, I mean, sure. It's uh, now. I, I just, I just want to spend a lot of time with my kid, you know, because it's. Uh, you never get the time back. That's, you know, that's one thing you cannot buy in a sense, or you cannot retrieve that back. It's time. So you know, I just love to spend every moment as I can with her. So, um, and the same goes with my wife, or you know, playing with people. If someone wants to play, you know, it's so hard to get people to play. Even it's nowadays. Uh, so yeah, I, I just I I leave things open. Sure, it's not. Uh, but just like so some kind of like framework has to be yeah. has to be made uh, like roughly so yeah um <clears throat> i have a question um like i know about the john Schofield story cuz you told it to me i think that's yeah. like, that's like crazy and maybe we were we'll come to that but how what made you pick up the the guitar like what how did you become a guitarist uh I, i wanted to play drums so uh but we lived like in a tiny apartment like it was 35 square meters i think it was really small so and then my mom said like okay now you're gonna do guitar i was like oh, okay then i'll do guitar and uh i had to go you know through the classical education because there was nothing else And I really didn't like classical too much because I don't know why. Uh, now I do. I love listening to classical music, but uh, I think we're too young then when you're like eight to play a Bach partita or whatever. Now I play them. <laughs> but uh, and then, yeah, I mean, then I started to listen. There was always music at home and um, somehow I got for my birthday a book of the Beatles like this complete songbook and i just started to play those tunes and uh that one thing led to another like i somehow stumbled upon dire straits and uh then came the metallica period and megadeth and sepultura and uh all this chisel and then uh i think it was in the last year of classical playing this was like second year of high school Uh, I, I told to my uh, guitar teacher that I, I I really don't feel like doing this anymore. And then he gave me a CD of Pat Metini, Pat Metini group, The Road to You. And I remember uh, I, 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 we had cassettes then still, you know, so then I pressed play on the CD and record on the cassette player to make a copy. And I went out, I didn't even listen to it and uh, went to play basketball, you know, or And then I came home and and I listened to it and I was like, shit, what is this? And uh, then I became obsessed. Uh, I just bought every CD by Pat Metini and went the usual Pat, you know. I saw who Pat Metini was playing with, so that meant, I don't know, John Schofield, that meant Mike Stern. And then it's just like, <sighs> I became obsessed with jazz and uh, just started learning this i mean i'm basically self-taught as far as jazz is concerned so uh, started to study scales and voicings and all this shizzle you know and uh 
yeah, that that was kind of the beginning. Yeah, because you kind of uh, you don't really have an official uh, academic uh, jazz degree or or no no I, I studied languages I mean th that's why why it's called Doctor Jazz Talks because I have a PhD in translation and American literature so basically it's a completely and uh, no I mean I I I, I didn't study jazz I, I had some lessons with one Italian guitarist Andrea Alione who was really good at the time. And uh, the John Schofield story, yeah, that was a huge motivation. And, uh, yeah. I, you know, I, I accompanied one friend of mine to Klagenfurt, to the conservatory. And uh, he wasn't accepted, but they accepted me even though I didn't apply. <laughs> so, and uh, then I went there for four weeks, but, uh, you know, I wanted to learn about Eric Dolphin or Nat Coleman and uh, how to play these things. And that guy the teacher there he was just like no you have to play this atid in e minor and i i just yeah i was like no shit i don't i don't need that because i was studying lang languages here and then i just made my own regime schedule i practiced every day for six hours like one hour transcribing one hour of listening one hour technical exercises one hour standards one hour theory, and yeah that was my my way i mean that's why, you know, it's it's a nice thing when you go to the conservatory or university because you meet people and I kind of went my own way. That's how it is. Even now I feel in Slovenia. So it's, uh, that's yeah. how it is. Yeah, great. And I I love it that, that you are, that you were already then training the, the setting up the, the schedule and, uh, oh, yeah. right. I think it's, yeah. it's really a skill that, that can help you a lot to, um, yeah. Did you have maybe uh, a model how to plan your day, or did you, or you just did it also from the top of your head, or you had some inspiration from somewhere? I mean, I, what I've heard, you know, from people, it's like I saw it's good to do technical exercises. So because technique is an important thing, so I did. I wrote down all the technical exercises, you know, borrowed them from various books and. Then, uh, you know, I transcribed a lot, so meaning, not that I learned necessarily every solo then, but I just transcribed them. I have like, I don't know, 500 solos handwritten by, especially saxophone players, actually, like, you know, I had the Sonny Rollins, Hank Mobley face, and Chris Potter face, and like all these guys, and um, so that was one part. Then one part was actually just listening to music, because everyone said it's important to listen, so... I would put on, I don't know, Love Supreme and just listen to the drums, what the drums are playing, and then listen to the record again and listening to the bass. And and uh, so, yeah, and then playing learning standards. Everyone said you have to learn the standard. So, okay, I tried to learn the standard, a standard like every two, two days, a new one, memorize it. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so that, that was kind of... How you know easily spent five hours actually so uh yeah but i didn't have like really that someone would say like okay you have to do do that it's just like what i've heard from people they said like you have to do that you have to do that and mm -hmm. but then i said okay shit, then i should do that i guess and what was your motivation like what what was yeah what was behind all this curiosity and uh uh well I don't know, improvising, it's it, it's such a nice thing, you know, and I always, when I went to, to see Pat Metini when I was 17, I was like, 
man, I want to do that, you know. It looked so amazing. It was just the group still with Paul Vertico and uh, Steve Rodby and Lyle Mace. And uh, I was just amazed. Uh, I, I couldn't believe that. I, just the, yeah, the whole thing, how it sounded it, amazing. And the communication between guys, these guys. And as, like John Schofield, he was the main reason then why I really said like, shit, I want to do that because of motivation, because I saw what he does, you know. So it was this uh, initial romantic, naive idea of uh, yeah. to become a jazz musician. Then the reality strikes later, you know, so <laughs> like what all that means. So, you know, uh, from all the other aspects, you know, as well. So, yeah. yeah. Can you now we talked about the Joan Schofield story yeah. a couple of times. Can you can you please share that one with us? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I, I, I was quite a geek for computers. I mean, I still am, in a way. And uh, so I, I made, basically, that was like 1995. I, I think I made, I think it was 95, yeah. I made his first website. So the John Schofield homepage, it was called. And uh, as a fan, you know, because there were, the internet was really starting back then. There was nothing almost yet. So... But I saw someone made, I think, a Mike Stern website. So I was like, oh, shit, John Schofield doesn't have one. I'll do that. I just posted it online. And then his wife, Susan, called me one day from the States, actually, because there was my number. And I was like, yeah, who, who's, you know, who's screwing up with me? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I'm like, no, no. And yeah, we really like what you're doing. Would you like to be the professional uh, guy for John Schofield, you know, John's website? Like, if you would be the guy... I was like, I'm a, you know, 17-year-old or 16-year-old kid from Slovenia. Slovenia. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know shit. But, uh, and she was like, ah. Oh, and I said, like, well, I really, I, I don't think I, I, I want to take this responsibility. Yet, you know? <laughs> and then, um, but then we stayed in touch. And, uh, you know, when Schofield was then on the road the following year, we went to see him in Italy, in Treviso, and, you know, I met him, and, I, I mean, I still have pics there from that meeting up there, oh. me with my Yugoslavian sweater there. <laughs> Is it and, possible uh, that you show that picture? Is oh, it? yeah, well, I don't know if you'll see, you know, but... Uh, oh, yeah. Let, let's try, let's try. Yeah, you will not see it. You see it there? Like, oh, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. Kind of... Maybe I can zoom it in later in post-production and see, it, like, a nice... Yeah, wait. Isolated. <laughs> so wait, wait I, I can do it like that maybe if if it works let's see oh we're going for a walk <laughs> yeah exactly see that was, that was a cool one. Oh boy that is that was a, yeah that's a boy right that's crazy that's a nice sweater indeed Look yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and here, here you know i don't know if you see them well but yeah oh yeah yeah, he let you play his guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he was what? like, we we met, and he was like, okay, you play guitar, we're playing me something. I was like, shit, I don't know. <laughs> what did you play? I think I played Stella by Starlight, and, oh. uh, and he was like, yeah, yeah, you sound good, and I, I sounded like the worst probably ever. So, <laughs> and uh, then you know, then then he he invited me. He saw that I play guitar, and he inv invited me to his place, and. So then I went, I think, in 1998 for two months or two and a half months. And he gave me a room in his house. And then we played kind of almost every day. And he gave me advice what what to do and how to, you know, like 
basically i still have those rec the recordings of those uh sessions we did on some cassettes so i would have to somehow digitalize them when we played duo and wow and then i just realized you know because he, he played like on his crappy he had like 20 guitars there but when we jammed he played like on a 50 dollar acoustic guitar and he sounded the same as he does you know and i was like shit it's all in the fingers it's it doesn't matter if you have a like sometimes you know the kids are like yeah i need this strong work for three thousand euros well yeah maybe you should practice first and then <laughs> you know it's all, all here from and from here and from here and it's right of course it's nice to have a good guitar it's but it's I, I think it's secondary so and that motivated me when i returned home then like i just started yeah practicing five six hours i saw that there's no other way if you want to be good so, yeah yeah do you still how long do you still practice now like how much do you still practice yeah I, I cannot make it every day anymore you know i used to i was quite obsessed i used to take my guitar everywhere even if we went for holidays you know took so that i would practice but now uh with a child and you know teaching and doing projects and i i, I, I tend to practice less you know but when i do you know i, I it's a different sort of practice I, I you know i compose or i record probably something usually when i do some projects and um it's it's a different kind of practice but i try to you know i play guitar every day when i teach also which is important yeah. and then when i have a break in between i noodle around with it and so uh, but it's definitely every day it's a contact with the instrument that's for sure yeah and <clears throat> when you compose um do you just start or do you i don't know do some guitar warm-ups first and then or record can you tell the the process how do you how does it ignite or you just go mm. Yeah, that's what, what I always ask everyone also in my podcast because I need ideas always but no I mean it's we're all I think we're all project bound as as, as much as I see ex with the exceptions of, of those those real composers you know like Carla Bley and Wayne Shorter or people who really composed every day just because they were really composers uh but uh if i know you know there's a uh, i have a tour now let's say in may so i know i would love to write three new tunes and um so then yeah then i will just somehow try i would love to write a ballad so then i know already direction okay i need to write a ballad and then usually i put on some music to get me inspired you know i would put on a paul motion trio record and and that would just like trigger something i don't know and in, in the end it will not sound at all like full motion but it will something will be like oh shit or i i need to write an up tempo and i will put on a, i don't know or nat coleman and a melody will pop out and then yeah depends always on the project who's in the band and uh if it's going to be more open or improvised or whether it's players who how much time is there going to be to rehearse if there's going to be a lot of time to rehearse i will write more complicated music and if it's not so much time then you know i know i have to do it shorter or uh so and, and also knowing the players that's so important if like in may now we have an, another uh small tour with ariel thunderson the bass player 
we played uh, last uh, two years ago now with Bob Moses and this time with Patrice Aral from Paris, uh, an amazing drummer. And so, and it's, we're gonna do a recording. So I would love, I would love to write knowing those players in my mind. I know how Arild plays now, and you know, trying to use the strengths of Arild in the composition. So that's that's how I usually compose, knowing who's playing the music. So, yeah, um, thanks. I sometimes I struggle with actually just starting because I'm like, you know, I grab the yep. guitar and I'm like, okay, I'm gonna warm up first. And then next thing you know, I've been working out with the guitar for two hours and a half and not a single note has been, yeah. written, you know. And uh, I just had it today. So I was, you know, I just started noodling, but not like, you know, not like 30 minutes do scale in F melodic minor. Or yeah, yeah. But I just started playing and then some stuff started to appear and I was like, wow, this is a, also an interesting approach to just go with it, you know, mm -hmm. especially if I, I notice if I have a little time, like if I know I have one hour, you know, I yeah. probably will not do my uh, practice routine then, but I will go straight, straight to the point, you know, and then yeah. Usually the most creative things come out when the time is condensed or when yes. it, when it's short or when it's limited. It's crazy, right? So and sometimes I have the whole day and then I'm like, oh, I'm gonna warm up first, I'm gonna set up this mic really nicely, you know. Oh, actually I should do some vocal exercises as well, you know. And then, <laughs> I'm a bit hungry now. I'm gonna cook some food. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's terrible then. It's um yeah. But that's how we are, I think. Uh, yeah. You need some something to keep you organized. Otherwise, it's you know, it's nice to play the instrument, like you said, you know, you you can start noodling for two hours and it's like, oh shit, I didn't I mean you did something, but in the end it was a nice time, right? But if you want to compose, then yeah, you should sit down and like, okay. Because it feels Let, sometimes that I'm that I'm procrastinating. It feels sometimes like that. I had this feeling okay. like that I'm postponing that that act of, you know, just doing it. You know, I, I think it's really that, that I'm kind of pushing off the responsibility to do that, you know, by doing something what I'm kind of already know how it is, you know, every mm -hmm. day play scales. I know, you know, it's okay, the guitar stuff. Um, but that's unchanted territory. Something cool might come, something not, you know. Yeah um yeah it's heavy it's heavy to compose uh, i mean it's it, it's 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 work in a sense and uh i mean i love doing it i, I really lo lo love it but it's it's you have to be there it's it's not so easy uh, maybe for some people it's really easy i mean it, it is easy in a way uh but just just to start I and mean, once you start i think it's easy you know then a tune pops out somehow but just to sit down, relax, and take one hour to compose, that's that's the heavy part. Otherwise, it's easy to write a ballad, right? I mean, we can do that now. Like, okay, you take some chords, pop on a melody, okay, you have a ballad. But then, is it good? I mean, who's to judge also? I mean, and stuff like that. Then these are the questions. Or So it's, yeah, it's a funny, funny thing composing. How long do you stay with the piece that you're making? just on this topic of, you know, who's to who's the judge? 
You, you mean how many years I play it, or no? How how do you how long do you stay to write it? How ah, long to write it? Write it, and do you reflect on it then when you write it? Do you change something, or you like? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Like, depends. I think. I mean, I usually like. Let's say we had a recording now in December with uh, Tine Resnik, the saxophone player, and Samuel Ver, like who's an amazing drummer from Paris, and I wrote seven tunes, uh, quite heavy music, you know, like and, but. I think they came up quite fast. It's, uh, you know, I usually write by hand the initial idea and then uh, then just, you know, see where I am harmonically, write it out. Okay, A part, melody, cool. B part, I want something else. Okay, open section and then then depends. Sometimes I'm like, oh shit, that could be a nice something else just with a guitar. And then I put everything in Sibelius, which I use the the software for notation and yeah i mean it goes fairly fast i have to be honest i think it's within an hour maybe but then it's uh, i'm open quite to changes you know when you present the music to musicians uh, i remember one tune i had it like really mapped out and then i was like yeah just skip the a part so we just threw an a part away because it just didn't sound okay and then, or maybe, you know, you repeat in your mind, you wanted to repeat the B part two times, but it's really cool if you repeat it endlessly until a cue comes or something, you know, stuff like that, or something can be played faster than you initially thought or slower or so, yeah, th then I'm open when, when you give it to musicians, you know, it's like, I never know what the drummer will play. So I'm always like, Ooh, you know, and, uh, so when you hear that, then you're like, oh shit, let's let's keep that going. It's great. Or so yeah, it, it's a living organism, a composition. I think that's good that you're not uh, like it has to be like that. So then it's yeah. I don't know. You mentioned you don't know what a drummer will play. Do you leave that open? You don't write the beat. I mean, you don't no. write. The... Oh, never. Oh what? shit. I mean, I've played with some, you know, with Tyshawn Sori and Tom Rainey and Gerald Cleaver and Bob Moses. And all of these guys are monsters. And, you know, they know about rhythm so much, it would be a sin for me to... And, and I mean, I would just tell them, like, it's a ballad, you know, or just play a kind of backbeat. And what they will do, then it's like, yeah, yeah. it's an up-tempo. That's it. Okay, yeah. cool. Oh. A groove, a groove tune. Play a groove. Okay. Bravo. I usually go into the how should I say the details in really the, oh wow I, I really like going because I usually wow. if I write for a band or yeah bigger bigger uh, orchestra or something mm -hmm. I I would actually imagine that I am a bass player or a drummer like mm. and then I just you know I just imagine how how cool it would make me feel if I how how would I feel mm. cool how how should I put this what should I play that I would feel cool being a drummer? Ah, okay, okay, yes, that. And then, uh, yeah, so I think I think the that's why some usually the drummers that I play with they're like, man, your pieces, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if it's all written out, that's evident. Yeah, for a drummer to read all those accents, and it's like a big band recording then or something. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, of course, if you're playing with the. Uh, 
Because it depends also how you set up the project, I suppose, right? I think you're playing more in this um, free uh, aspect. I mean, some some pieces are more like more liberal, and I think it, it can. I th I'm sure it adds more to your music uh, in, yeah, in but, that sense. Right? I mean, I, I don't know. It's like you know, the the last. Uh, I, uh, you know, I know you like seven and odd meters as well and stuff. So it's. Uh, I had one piece which was like. Seven, eight, so it's like and then a three, four bar. So one thing would go into this Balkan, but you know, the drummer was just like so it's it's completely the opposite direction that someone would think. And so if I would write some drums there. And the piece was fairly, really composed afterward as well, like really complicated, constantly changing meters. But, you know, it's like if there's a good drummer, I think in jazz, that's quite the practice that you don't write the drum parts mm. uh, unless you want really this uh, specific thing, you know. And I don't know, the drummer drummers know so much about rhythm that it's like, you know, it's especially how to play the instrument, you know. How to combine the hi hat with the snare with that and and it's yeah I don't know I I leave it to them it's for me it's a nice element always when I hear a tune that it's like woo yeah man yeah I love that and I think like your openness is then also I mean because you played with so many great musicians and and it's just crazy when I see like who you're going on tour with and i was on the i was checking out your uh, i saw the concert that you gave also with this uh arnold uh the the bass player and uh the uh yeah bob moses on the drum oh yeah ariel thunderson yeah Ar 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 sorry yeah um and that was also just crazy to see that i mean that guy is old now the 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 bob moses so i was like both are yeah like when, as I was listening to the concert, I was like, "Man, people in this room do not know yet what they are seeing." Like mm. they, they, this is so special that you brought these people to Slovenia. Yeah. Like I was like, "Man, you better, you guys that are listening to this concert, you better enjoy it because this is probably the last time that you will see this dude is on the drum." Like, I, I, I hope I, not, but yeah, I hope not. I no, hope not. Yeah. But you know, yeah, it's, I know what you mean. It's just so rare to see these legends going yeah. around and touring, you know. And I think it's also great. Yeah, I was just so happy to to see to see him playing with you, and and you know, it tells a lot about this this energy and openness of you. I think that's also why he decided to. Yeah. To do stuff with you because he was like yeah man this is cool music you know this is a cool guy you know i think they they sh they've seen shit you know so i think oh, they're man. really yeah. picky what they will say yes to so pa, bravo man I, I was really enjoying it then i hope no, i was like yeah me too me too yeah <laughs> this is really awesome and and how he he become he became like this almost like uh shaman tribal kind of mm -hmm. guy right he i don't know his drum set was also crazy yeah, bop is special man bop is special yeah <laughs> yeah very he's, special guy <laughs> i mean he's he's a you know it's incredible if you think about it he's he 
he played with Charles Mingus and Eric Dolphin in the late 60s and then, you know, played with the Brecker brothers and Steve Kuhn and he did the Bright Size Life record, every guitarist knows, with Pat Mattini and Jaco Pastorius and so, it, you know, it, and so many other records. So, and it, yet he's still underrated. So if, if you ask a normal, an average jazz musician and listener in Slovenia who he is, people would not know him. Which is sad, you know, but that's how it is. So, but yeah, that's why it's nice to bring them over so that they, you know, I hope people get to learn about more about these guys. And uh, but just for me, it's also egoistically, I learn that way. If I play with those guys, it for me, it's like finishing a university after one tour. It's just like so much, I'm still, you know, absorbing stuff from that tour, just realizing shit. Because where you're playing with them and on the road, it's just so hectic. You don't, you're not aware of these things. You take take it for granted almost. But now I'm like, oh shit, man! It's that was incredible. You know, that's it's history almost. So it's yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. It's an amazing thing. Yeah, it's like uh, being in a in a history museum. I suppose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, I have a question i mean i see you as a you know you can tackle so many things that you set your mind to and and you know do them oh, freaking proper um i have a question are you at the moment or in recent time did you or are you struggling with with something and how do you tackle that or how do you manage that is there something uh yeah i mean time do you know where you can buy time <laughs> like a discount no <laughs> i don't know I'm, I'm struggling so much with uh i mean not so much but like especially on a long tour uh when you play that you you know repeating yourself i'll put it like that sometimes i do a record and everyone loves it all the critics and i'm like I mean, in the beginning, I'm like, oh shit, I don't know if this sounds well. It's again me, but that's your sound, right? That's how you play. And, but on the road, I, I had quite some problems. Like, you know, we had, I think, 17 gigs in a row without one day, or did we have one day off? I don't think we did. We had a one day off. So, and then on on gig 10, I, I or something like that, I, I was facing this crisis of feeling that I'm playing the same shit all the time. You know, the same runs, the same arpeggios, the same... Even if we we played many sections open, you know, some tunes were on harmony and on structures, but a couple were open, you know, and I, I, I had a feeling I'm just repeating myself. And then, uh, you know, I spoke, I mentioned that to those two guys, to Arilt and... Bob, because, you know, they've been doing that for, what, 60 years almost. So. And uh, and then, you know, Ariel said, He's, you know, it's just your language. It's what you do, how you play. And uh, it's also a thing, like he said, you know, like yesterday, let's say on Monday in Munich, that audience heard you, while this audience today in Dresden, they haven't heard you yet, or this repertoire, or the band. So you just have to, you know, uh, for them it will be exciting, even... For you, it's maybe the same, but it's it shouldn't be. You know, you should open up and accept how you sound, and that's probably true. You know, I guess 
Wayne Shorter has his sound phrasing, hat, you know, or Pat Metini, it's his phrasing, you know, it's Pat Metini. So that's the issues I had. So that's, uh, yeah, <laughs> just knowing how to solve it. I don't know. Maybe you're on the road, you're tired and uh, you need good sleep and stuff like that. So that's maybe causes all these um, moments. Yeah. But it's just, I mean, I try to push myself always into new directions. That's how I try to conquer the the crisis. I mean, I've been playing the twelve string acoustic now a lot on many recordings the last two years, and and uh, the I mean, especially acoustics in studio recordings. While live, I play electric, and I love the acoustics now. I, I just I'm like shit. That's it, you know, and. Um, but yeah, I think we all have crisis. I mean, when I talk to musicians doing these interviews, it's we're more sensitive to certain things, I guess. That's why we're doing this. And yeah, so then how to solve it? That's 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 the that's the eternal question that everyone would like to know the answer. But I think it's smart to ask, you know, the legends, the the guys who've been doing it for a long time, how they deal with these things and. That's what I always ask, you know, when I do these interviews, everyone, how, how do you stay fresh? How do you do that? How do you just to get some recognition or, or an answer? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what, what do you do? What crisis do you have if, if you have them or how do you solve them? Um, well, recently I, well, it, oh, I have to think about my own question. <laughs> you, you don't have a crisis, you know, ever since. <laughs> no, no, no. I have plenty. I just don't know which one to point out. Oh, um, okay. I have plenty. Uh, but for example, it is, yeah, how how to stay how to stay honest to myself. Like I think that's the biggest one. And what is the what to do and what to say yes to. And to not then regret it in sense that, hmm, like that that I don't, not really close some doors, but I know if I start something that I will just dedicate myself to it, and then mm. this is this the right thing? So sometimes my choices to do something take very long, like mm, okay. because I know that I will just you know then go for it you know so i would just write write a lot about it and i yeah for example also you know also doing this podcast for example it was like hmm, okay i know this will take some time of of from me you know and i don't know already i i've been having some downs oh it's difficult to get the guests oh it's difficult to you know to to come up with no not really to come up with questions but to yeah to just make everything in a, in a package and present it mm -hmm. to people. like how how do i present this this one now and you know the the pressure of if i quit or if i fail doing it and and mm -hmm. what that will bring to my ego or what will others think of it you know just to it, it, i think Okay, I'm jumping now uh, around maybe, but just to do decisions out of authenticity, mm -hmm. not 
out of what other people will think about me and uh, exactly that's yep i think that's the biggest that's important the biggest struggle that i have now so sometimes i'm like ah maybe i should make this song and then i'm like hmm where is this song coming from like is it coming from the spark that i feel inside and i'm yep. doing it because i believe in it internally or is it i don't know that i will make that I'm writing this because it will be likable. Like, because, yeah, I think not everybody will like you, you know, <laughs> like that's just the the bottom line. And yeah, I think this, the, ju just challenging my my authenticity, it, it's a big, mm. big one. And, and it comes with openly talking about my my struggles or just journaling them writing them down and just like you know when i see it on paper uh then it's a bit more uh wholesome for me and sometimes i'm like you know it's okay this is here now like usually it's the answer is like that look this mm -hmm. is now this is here now and that's what's important this you're doing this and whatever will come if you hear it or if you do it it is what it is at this moment and yeah. that's all what i can handle like that that's in my frame of uh influence like that's what i can influence yeah. on the things that i have around me at this point if you like it then it's okay you know i mean it, it, it's just you, you should enjoy it if you if you're not then i think you should not do it so whatever it is it's that's why I play only music that I love playing. I, you know, I don't want to play jazz standards anymore on a recording right now. Maybe I will in 20 years, but you know, I don't want to play in a bossa nova band. <laughs> I don't know. I love it, but I don't want to do it now. You know? So that's even if I got a, an amazing deal, if you know, I don't know. I just want to do things that I love doing musically, especially musically, because that's the one thing that I really believe in. And uh, it's uh, even if some one band called me now, like, okay, shit, you're gonna get five hundred euros per gig, and uh, I would say probably no if I don't like it. I mean, not probably. I would say no because mm. it's just something you you believe in, and in you know. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's important. If you like it, I think that's then. Then you're on the right path, I hope, I think. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I I think that's a good to to check with your heart. Like what does it what does it feel about yeah, this decision? Exactly. Right. And not care about the others. I mean that's that's important. That's yeah. uh just go your own path. You know, screw the others. They let them do the other what they want and you know, you do your own path. It's it's who you are. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I have still a couple of more questions and then I won't bother okay. you anymore. Um, what did you learn from the podcast journey, actually? What is the biggest take uh, for you on it? Mm. I mean, you would not think so, but I'm a quite an introvert person. So <laughs> Maybe, you know, it doesn't look like it after 400 interviews, but... Uh... You know, I really like my privacy. Otherwise, and I, I'm I'm quite I'm not a pusher or a bragger or uh, I don't like this showing around. Uh, I mean, showing off stuff. And uh, 
I don't know, just being humble, that's the one thing I've learned already from the past. Like, and uh, listening. And um, yeah, just, I mean, that's obviously talking to all these amazing players. That's like we talked. It's incredible hearing their stories and their approaches, which helps you then in your own struggles, being a composer and a human and a father and everything, basically, you know. And um, But yeah, just, just this uh, sense of... Uh, listening and no ego and uh, that's such an important thing i mean to learn for me at least so and and being open you know to suggestions and yeah that's kind of this I, I love doing these talks like i said in the beginning it's just so beautiful to to listen to to all these people you know mm. oh. yeah and what um what would be the most important lesson or a quote that you got in the span of your lifetime and that you keep coming to it mm. oh that's a good one <laughs> uh well there, there are a couple i mean like uh john Schofield like gave me a, a really good one when he said like think like a saxophone player when we played and breathe you know i remember the first time we played and i just jump in like ah, nah, the solo you know guitarists we don't have to breathe actually so <laughs> and uh and i still remember that now i mean you know when you solo make a pause breathe that that's so important and uh the other one which i i i, I heard like three years ago when i started doing the post podcast actually was uh jerome harris said that like he's a guitarist and bass player one of Again, underrated, played with Jack Dijonette for years and Sonny Rollins. And I asked him, like, he, he made two amazing records in the early 90s as a band leader. Incredible records. And I asked him, like, yeah, what, why didn't you do more, you know, as a band leader? And then he was like, and I still remember that, and I keep it with me. He said, yes, I'm a musician, I'm a composer, but first of all, I'm also a father, I'm a husband, and I'm a human being. And I was like, shit, man. That's the answer. <laughs> you know, we're we're always about yeah, I have to do this project and I have to do that and I have to do that. You, well, you don't have to do anything. You should just be here in this moment now and enjoy life, you know. We have I, I don't know how many. I have hopefully 40 years still to go and that's shit I should you know, cherish every moment that you're here, that we're here now, that we're, you know, stop complaining we we have nothing to complain about you know us mm. so it's just yeah this this such statements i think they are such crucial it's uh this kind of one sentence statements almost you know that uh, these are so important you know yeah well you, you have one well oh, i Sorry, I'm turning now the third table all the time, actually. <laughs> I, I, mm, I have, the, I don't know, so usually this one uh, comes to mind and it's like everything is a right. Like mm. everything you do, do it with care. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it's sure. a kind of also a similar thing, you it's know. Very similar, yeah. It, yeah. It's in the now, uh, so that everything, you know, I I really have strongly this um, 
thought that everything what we do, even the most ridiculous things, will someday be the last time we do yeah. it. You know, oh. like picking yeah. up the phone. I don't know, going to the toilet. Uh, exactly. Cooking a meal. You know, like and and <laughs> when I see it from this perspective, it just gives me so much humbleness for every single thing that is around me and yeah, yeah it really puts me to the to the simple stuff like you said you know i am uh, a husband i'm a father i'm a human being i'm a partner yeah. whatever yeah know. exactly yeah that's that, so important yeah. Yeah. we sometimes forget about these things in a daily life so you hope i think we have to remind ourselves about that because you know it's important so yeah yeah, yeah. well um on the last note uh, i have a question where can people get to you where are you most active mm. uh I, oh, that's a good <laughs> i think my by email i mean i really hate social media to be honest even though i do do these podcasts but uh you know i i had an instagram account but i i don't I don't use it anymore. So if someone posted something, I'm sorry if I don't respond. I don't have it on my phone anymore. And on Facebook, I mean, I, I'm quite, uh, I'm very accessible through Facebook because I have it, but I don't scroll anymore. You know, I stopped uh, yeah. doing that. So basically, I usually go on there, post if I get a review for an album or if I have a concert or some photos or a Dr. Jazz stocks announcement. I would post it there and log out so i don't like things i don't i don't scroll so if, also if if someone is upset by not by me not i don't know commenting on responding i'm sorry <laughs> but you know i'm i'm accessible through facebook messenger i usually quite fast and by email that's the the easiest you know uh, which is on on my youtube site and my website so i usually i respond very fast to those things so um yeah okay That's... i have i have to ask what keep how do you keep away from scrolling like oh because i got so upset by the stupidity on on those walls you know like uh it's just like especially in slovenia so-called journalists or someone about jazz or then i'm like oh sh people you know shit you know it's like terrible when i read these things and uh that's and then i realized when i when i was scrolling then i got upset because it mm. was it's so much bullshit there and pollution of the mind so it's quite heavy because it's an addiction for everyone in the modern society that we we would we're so interested as a society in others and uh if you just get your mindset to you will not miss out anything yeah. if someone is i don't know cooking chivapchichi for the lunch yeah, was good for him and you know i don't care i mean it's nice if someone who's really close to me he will send me a personal message on messenger and if he really wants to share something nice with me you know yeah. and uh so yeah but it's hard i, I had a hard problem in the beginning I, I had a hard time in the beginning just to say oh shit, don't yeah. do that it's, but now I, I i'm really i'm like yeah go there post log out see ya yeah <laughs> because it's yeah polluting the mind right i mean it's so useless spending of time there yeah. so yeah you know. so one of my struggles since we were talking yeah ah. 
go okay, through see. distractions. That's a big one for me. Like, oh, coming up with strategies and what to do. And like, usually I delete Instagram for some time, but then I, when I need it, I put it on and I post. Just don't, just don't install it. I, I just didn't install it with a new phone and like. No, it's so easy. I just don't click on it. <laughs> so, I mean, I still have the account, and it's—I guess—it's still going. I—I I, I think obviously I didn't delete it, but I just don't go there anymore and post. And it's like, yeah, so, suddenly one distraction less in life. You know, I mean, it's—it's it's, these are distractions. So, you know, I'd rather put on like if instead of doing that, I'd rather put on an interview. You know, and listen to an interview or a podcast or uh, watch a basketball game. I don't know stuff like that. It's much more fun than people commenting oh why the roads are not clean well they're not clean so what i mean what the... you know that's true like you know now when it was snowing here like yeah so but yeah that's yeah that's how it is yeah well thank you samo i i really enjoyed this conversation and thanks for all the insights and stories that you shared with us. You even showed us the epic photo. With, oh yeah, man. With the, <laughs> with the Yugoslavian sweater. It is a Yugoslavian sweater, actually. Those cheap ones kind of like, but okay. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, thank you for taking the time as well and, uh, you know, inviting me and it was nice to talk. And we got to play again, man. Yes, I will, I, I will harass you on Messenger now after this. To, yeah, harass when we, meet, when we meet. So, yeah, absolutely, I would love it. And uh, yeah. yeah, I wish you a beautiful day. Thanks for all Thank the you. insights you and take yeah. care. Gladly, thanks, Ciao, Michel. If these topics are relevant to you, or if they happen to inspire or help you in any way, please do me a favor and take a few seconds to follow and rate this podcast. By doing so, you will directly help it grow. And if while listening to this episode, you realize that any of your friends might benefit from it, share it through your socials or with them directly. I'm your host, Mikhail Frustel. Thank you for listening. And until next time, I wish you a sound mind.